College baseball is on the final stretch to the postseason, and we've got a new MLB mock draft. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And in just a minute, I'm really excited to dig into this, this mock draft from Jim Callis over at MLB.com. But first, we got to recap uh, the, the week that was in college baseball. They are coming up on the final weekend of the regular season, so... Uh, conferences are still in play. People are jockeying for postseason position. It's kind of wild out there. Uh, starting off with the Big 12. Like the Big 12 is the most chaotic conference right now. So Oklahoma State looked like they were in control coming into the weekend. They had a uh, they needed to do something like four wins over the two series to win the conference. Their first time they would have won it since 2014. They have Texas Tech come in, get swept. Okay. <laughs> At the same time, TCU goes to Lawrence and sweeps Kansas. So now in the standings, TCU is leading. Texas Tech's a half game back. Oklahoma State is, I believe, a full game back. Yes, a full game back. But they're losing the tiebreaker uh, to TCU and to Texas Tech. So they're out of it. They're done. They go from leading to can't win the conference in one weekend. And so where we are now is, again, TCU has the lead. Uh, and because they play less conference games, they only play 24 conference games, TCU's done. This is like a golf tournament where TCU teed off first and like they're in the clubhouse watching everybody else. They have a non-conference matchup this weekend. Uh, they, I think they play Santa Clara, but like they're done. And so uh, now it's Texas Tech hosting Oklahoma. Oklahoma is somehow still alive. Not quite sure exactly how, but Oklahoma's still in it. Um, Oklahoma State is at Baylor, and Baylor's not going to roll over because Baylor has to win at least one game to make the conference tournament. So it's a thing now where TCU is in the clubhouse, okay? If Texas Tech sweeps Oklahoma, Texas Tech wins the, uh, the conference. If Oklahoma sweeps, they win the conference. If those two teams split, TCU wins, I think. Like, I'm trying to keep track of all of this. I think that's what happens. Either way, going to be wild. Going to probably come down to that final game on Saturday. The Pac-12 is down to Oregon State versus Stanford. So Oregon State had moved up to number one in the country, uh, went into Arizona, and it's like, okay, yeah, Arizona's one of the worst teams in, in the Pac-12. It's fine. Well, guess what? They lose. <laughs> They lost, uh, Oregon State was uh, uh, won 12-9 on Friday and then lost 5-2 on Saturday and 10-5 on Sunday. So they dropped back out of the number one spot. And then more importantly, um, the lead now in the Pac-12 is down to only one game. Uh, so Oregon State is hosting a ranked UCLA team. They're somewhere like the end of the top 25. Uh, Stanford's a game behind Oregon State. And Stanford has last place's Last place, USC. So Oregon State has to perform against a ranked team or they get jumped by Stanford, who's playing the last place team in the conference. 
And this isn't as, the stakes aren't as big as usual because for the first time, the Pac-12 has joined everybody else and is having a conference tournament this year. So this is not an auto bid. The regular season winner is not, does not get the auto bid from the conference. That's going to come from the tournament. So this is uh, who, you know, who gets the first, you know, the, the number one seeding and number two seeding in the conference tournament. Uh, the SEC has been won by Tennessee. They have locked in the number one seed in the SEC tournament in Hoover. Uh, they, they won the series against Georgia, and they're doing something really interesting. So I thought this was, this was just Coach Tony Vitello, as much kind of vitriol as he's gotten this year. So Chase Dollander, uh, star pitcher, took a line drive against Alabama. I think it was like in the arm. Uh, was out for two weeks. Pitched in relief last week. Uh, well, he returned to the rotation. Ben Joyce, the reliever, came to the rotation on Saturday, and their two freshmen, their two freshmen they've counted on all season, Chase Burns and Drew Beam, they both went to the bullpen. They pitched in relief. And so it's something where, where they're just trying to get as many guys stretched out and give them starter reps as they can. Because when you get in the tournament, it's going to take four or five games in five days to win the conference tournament. And Tennessee doesn't want to be in a situation where uh, they've only got three starting pitchers and two of them are freshmen who had weird uh, high school careers because they pretty much lost a whole season to COVID. This is already the longest season they've ever played before you get to the postseason. So if you can put some innings on Ben Joyce, on some of these other upperclassmen in the bullpen, that gives you something where it's easier for these freshmen to acclimate. But then too, it also helps MLB scouts. So uh, ben, you know, Ben Joyce is draft eligible. He's the guy who hit 105 on the radar gun. And when you watch him in like a one inning relief appearance, he can just let it eat. But he pitched four innings on Saturday, threw 53 fastballs. Every single one of them was at least 100 miles an hour. So he's thrown four innings twice in the last three weeks. And so this is something where MLB scouts have a, a small sample, but enough where they can look and say, okay, maybe this guy can actually be a starter. We can draft him maybe a little bit earlier because we think it might be worth letting him try to be a starter versus just taking him and putting him straight in the bullpen. Um, the ACC, really kind of interesting. It's probably going to be won by Miami. Uh, they're, they're up by one game in the conference standings, and I believe they have a pretty, they have a, they have a ranked Notre Dame team this weekend, 15-9 uh, in conference for Notre Dame. Um, and so it's something, I think, I think Miami's 16 and, uh, 17 and 8, I think. So they're going to be favored to win that Notre Dame matchup. But the best team in the ACC is Virginia Tech. So Virginia Tech, uh, they just won the series against Louisville. I'm pretty sure they have the, one of those top eight national seeds locked up now. They lost their first conference weekend. They were swept by Georgia Tech, which Georgia Tech's been a whole other animal this year, especially on offense. A lot of that's Kevin Parada. You'll hear more about him as we get towards the draft. But uh, since that Georgia Tech sweep, they have not lost a single series. And so now they get to host Duke. And again, Miami has a one-game lead, but Miami has to host Notre Dame. So Duke is 10-17 in conference. Virginia Tech may have a chance, if Miami stumbles, um, Virginia Tech may have a chance to take the number one seed going into the ACC tournament. But either way, this is probably going to be the first national seed in the um, field of 64 in Virginia Tech's history. 
Uh, they haven't been to the regionals since 2013. Pretty sure that's going to change this year. Uh, they have they have never had a top eight seed. Um, I think this will be the time, and it's just that offense is so amazing. Uh, kind of led by uh, first round draft prospect guy you'll hear about a little bit later, outfielder Gavin Cross. He's in that first round mock of of Jim Callis that we have in a few minutes. And so just really interesting setup there. Really interesting what's going to happen in the ACC and kind of how that's all going to uh, shake out. Miami looked a little iffy against Florida. Uh, Florida was able to jump on, like they lost game one behind Carson Palmquist, the great pitcher we've been talking about all year, and he's going to be a draftable guy too. But uh, they were able to jump on the day two and day three starters. And so Miami's got to figure out the back half of that rotation. And I just don't necessarily know uh, how that's going to work as far as can their offense keep up if their pitching staff keeps allowing a ton of runs. This upcoming weekend, there's a ton of series to watch. If you want some ranked-on-ranked action, Notre Dame at Miami, like we mentioned, Virginia at Louisville, like we mentioned, there's going to be a ton of offense in that game. Both those teams have bats for days. It's going to be great. LSU at Vandy, it's going to be a great atmosphere to watch baseball. Vanderbilt always does a good good job, even though it's a tiny, tiny stadium as far as capacity goes to the crowd. UCLA at Oregon State, I believe that's going to be available on ESPN, but that's going to be a fun one to watch over the weekend again. That's probably going to end up, if Oregon State wins, they probably win the Pac-12. If Oregon State loses that, Stanford probably wins. You've got some interesting series that are going to have, like, that are uh, implications for teams kind of on the bubble. Oklahoma State at Baylor. I mentioned that earlier. Oklahoma State's in third place. Uh, they can't, they they probably cannot win the, the Big 12, but Baylor has to win to make the tournament. So Baylor's going to come out there firing on all cylinders. Oklahoma at Texas Tech. We already touched on this about how this series is probably going to decide the Big 12. And one of the three options is a team not even in it in TCU. And then Florida State at North Carolina. And this is, again, that amazingly deep pitching staff of Florida State going to UNC. Um, They won the rivalry series against Miami. They got a little bit of energy here. Um, But they're they're in top 20 in RPI. They're probably going to host... They have a midweek at Florida. It's going to be a really tough matchup, but uh, they've won seven of the last eight, and they're they're trying to lock down um, their spot while UNC is trying to just make the tournament. And then some national seeding implications: Auburn at Kentucky. Auburn, depending on the projections, is like a national number eight seed, maybe a nine seed. So the difference between hosting a potential super regional and traveling to a potential super regional is going to be their matchup on the road this weekend at Kentucky a Kentucky team that struggled with South Carolina last weekend. But the weekend before that, won the series against Tennessee. So, going to be an amazing matchup. And in just a minute, I want to get to Jim Callis's MLB draft, uh, to his mock. I, there's some interesting stuff in here, and I re- I'm really excited to get to it. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Uh, there's a new flavor of Built Bars out. They sent these to me. It is a birthday cake puffs. So the puffs are protein-infused marshmallows. And the the... Birthday cake is white chocolate and sprinkles. You've never had anything like this. The texture is something you get, it, it, the texture is going to throw you off when you first taste it. The flavors are absolutely spot on. They're there. Um, it is fantastic. It's a chocolate covered marshmallow protein bar, 100% real chocolate. And what I love about this: 150 calories, nine grams of sugar, 16 grams of protein. So it's everything that you need uh, during the summer to get you full, to keep you full help you make it to your next meal. It's a healthy way to get flavor and variety into your day. Uh, whether it's the puffs, it's the bars, all of them covered in 100% real chocolate and good for you. So go to built.com. You can check out all the lists of the flavors. Again, the puffs, the birthday cake puffs are a limited time thing. So you need to go get them 
as soon as possible. But you can get on the mailing list to find out when they have sales, when they bring out new flavors, and all of that stuff. While you're there, while you're at Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. Okay, so Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline put out a mock draft. I'm going to link it in the show notes below so you can go check it out. It's free, it's free and unlocked for everybody to read. But it's really interesting because it kind of seems obvious that there is a, a, a number one top prospect in Drew Jones. It's something where you would normally expect he would be the go-to number one guy. And... One of the previous mocks of the Orioles, they didn't have him going there. Jonathan Mayo did a, a mock a few weeks ago, and they had the Orioles doing the same thing that they've done the last few drafts, which is cut a deal with a college player, save some bonus pool money, and spend it on later selections. What I like is Callis has them taking Drew Jones number one. I do think that he is... Uh, probably one of the best prospects in this draft, probably has one of the higher ceilings of anybody in this draft. If you do take somebody uh, early, I see it being somebody like uh, Brooks Lee, the the Cal Poly shortstop, um, Jacob Berry, the third baseman from LSU. I see those guys as options if the Orioles do stick to the plan of take a college guy early, save the money from the draft slot so we can use it later. But I think Drew Jones is going to be the pick. And as we kind of go through some of these drafts um, or some of these positions, at two, he's got the Diamondbacks taking Elijah Green, the outfielder from IMG. I, uh, Jim says that he thinks he had, that Green has a higher ceiling than Jones, but probably some more questions about his bat. Um, it's just something, I mean, Elijah Green, he's one of like those big top four prep prospects. It's, you know, it's him, it's Jackson Holiday, it's Tamar Johnson. It's Drew Jones. Um, I'm perfectly fine with Green going number two. Uh, I know that the Diamondbacks just pulled up, just called up Alex Thomas, but we had this conversation last week. You do not worry about positions in the first round. You draft for talent in the first round. It's not until later do you worry about positions and what you have on your farm versus what you take. Now, I say that, and there's going to be a couple guys in this mock where I'm going to say, yeah, that's a good pick because they need guys at that position in their farm system, it's different. Like what I'm trying to say is you can have extra guys at a position in the first round. You can take a guy at a position of depth because the talent's so overwhelming. Um, it's also a good idea to take a guy who is incredibly talented at a position that happens to be a position of need for you. So, so like when we get to the nationals at five, I'm going to be like, yeah, Kevin Prada's a good pick there because they don't have a ton of um, catching prospects. But he's a good pick, period, not necessarily just because of his position. Um, so Jackson Holiday, the shortstop, is going number three to the Rangers. And uh, I found it really and he touches on this. Uh, the Rangers are kind of out of character there, because you know, this is a high school talent. They usually like to take a college player who's a little more refined, a little closer to the bigs, uh, so that the, the, the timeline is shorter. And this is something, especially when you look at a guy like a Holiday, the Rangers have so many middle infield prospects. We're already talking about does Josh Smith have to move to center field and things like that. So uh, it's a position of, of, of strength. Not a problem to take another great talent 
in there in the first round, but it's something where it's out of character. So I'm curious to, as to whether Jim knows something, he's heard something from inside the organization, uh, or if this is just a Holiday's a great talent, and at three, you really can't pass up a great talent like that. Uh, Brooks Lee, the Cal Poly shortstop, is at four. I think that's a good that's a good spot to put him. It's nice to kind of combine. I mean, you, you they've had top seven picks. They've taken a Henry Davis. They've taken a Nick Gonzalez. Those are both college guys with really good bats. You put another guy in there. Lee's going to be the last one of the three to come up, but he's going to be pretty close behind him. And I, I kind of like the idea of high floor um, college hitters early for the Pirates because they have so many needs throughout that system. I've already mentioned it, but Kevin Pratt at five. Uh, I think he's probably the consensus. It's either him or Lee as the consensus pro- uh, prospect now out of college uh, because we've seen so- him increase the power and the defense has gotten to average. So I like that. That actually, um, I think the only reason he falls is because the Orioles and the Pirates have taken catchers at number one overall in the last couple drafts. And he touches on that in the piece too. So I think that's a good point and why you would see a Kevin Parada falling to five instead of being the number one college guy off the board at four or at, you know. So I get that. Jacob Berry for the Marlins at six. Uh, to me, that's a situation where they have a lot of pitching. I like that. Um, I like them getting a, a high floor college hitter who can come up sooner rather than later. And again, Barry's a consideration to go number one overall if the Orioles do stick with the plan of we're going to take a, a refined college guy and save the money. But if, if not there, I think he's going to fall down to six. I like that pick as well. Uh, Tamar Johnson, uh, the second baseman out of it, the high school in Atlanta to uh, at seven. Um, great value for them. They'd have taken, I mean, they'd have taken him or Barry. They'd have loved that. Jace Young at, um, at eight to the Twins. Um, this is kind of, you're in that, and Calif mentions in this too, but you're kind of in that second tier of college hitters. Outside of the elite college guys, the Jacob Berry, the Kevin Parada, the Brooks Lee, you're kind of in that next tier now. This is somewhere where if you had healthy college pitchers, if you did not have so many injuries, and you had that stud pitcher, like you, like you see usually in so many drafts, like a Jack Leiter or something like that, you would probably see them somewhere around here. And you just don't have those guys this year. So it kind of happens. Number nine, Daniel Susak. I think that's a good organizational fit as well. Um, I know the Royals have a lot of have a lot of um of catchers right now. I mean, they have that the whole thing going on in Kansas City with Salvador Perez and MJ Melendez. But I think Susak's a good fit for the system. I think he's a good fit uh, for their player development staff and what they do. And then you have the whole situation of he's 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 pretty athletic, obviously. I mean, um, He's got the he's got the bloodlines. His brother was a big league catcher, so I think he's athletic enough. If you have to move him, you can move him as well. Um, Ten is Gavin Cross, the Virginia Tech outfielder. We talked about that. A um, lot of I think his speed's going to play well in Colorado. Uh, just those huge gaps and covering ground out there. I think he's going to do well. The bat's going to play well out there, and he's probably going to hit a ton of home runs. At eleven, you you get the first prep pitcher to the Mets. This is the compensation pick for not signing Kumar Rocker last year. Um, it's a hitter-heavy system, so I understand the decision to go pitcher here. Um, I get that. So, 
I'm I'm not as big on on high school arms as a lot of MLB teams are. That's just I mean I also don't have to I also don't lose my job if I'm wrong on some of these guys. So I get it. But there's the first one. Uh, Cam Collier at 12 to the Tigers. Um, I think the Tigers just want hitting. I mean, you see kind of some of the young pitchers they have in a Tarek Skubal and a Casey Mize. Like, they have faith in the young pitchers in the system. They just need, um, they just need hitting. So I, that makes sense. The Angels, Brandon Barrera, lefty out of uh, Florida, out of high school in Florida. They took 20 pitchers last year, 19 college and one pro in the 20 rounds. So this is something where, and Callis mentions this, he's probably better than anybody they took last year. So... Go ahead and do it. Why not? Uh, Chase DeLauder, the outfielder from James Madison, goes to the Mets at 14. Uh, broken foot and hasn't played since April. Uh, probably isn't going to be available until next year. But one of those guys, very good offensive ability, uh, very good contact, good power as well, playing in a smaller conference. Uh, going to need a little bit of time to acclimate as far as you know, low A and then high A. You can't put him straight in the high A probably, having missed so much time and coming from a lower conference. But... I think offensively he's going to play well, and I can see him doing well at City Field. Uh, the Padres at 15, this gets really interesting because they take Connor Prelip, the lefty out of Alabama. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery um, at last year in May. And so kind of reminiscent of the Cal Quantrill pick. He, blew, he had Tommy John the year before, lost his entire final season of college, and was taken by the Padres early. Kind of same thing here. Prelip's going to be throwing next week. So when I do next week's College Ball Tuesday, I believe that's going to be the day, like when I record it on Monday night, that's going to be the day that Connor Prelip was able to throw. So I'll be able to kind of give a report as to what he looked like. Uh, either me or somebody that I, that I work with is going to be there in Hoover for the SEC tournament. So we'll kind of be able to give a little insight as to what he looks like. But I understand that pick. They've got a lot of pitchers right now. This gives them, I mean, this is somebody that they can put him on the shelf. They can let him get healthy over the over the, the summer, maybe get him in a little bit of instructional league in the fall, and then give him an assignment next spring, let him debut next spring. So I like the pick there. Uh, the next thing, Zach Neto, shortstop from Campbell to the Guardians at 16. It's just another infielder with great contact ability. I mean, it's kind of the Guardians MO. They take guys with really good contact ability. That's what they're doing. Uh, the Phillies taking lefty Robbie Snelling out of Reno, Nevada. They like they like prep pitchers. They're not afraid of it. Um, this kid, it's 145 strikeouts in 62 and a third innings in high school. It's absolutely absurd. He actually ha- now has the Nevada uh, large class state record. So absolutely nuts. And then Dylan Lesko, the first injured prep pitcher here, probably would have been a uh, was the top pitching prospect, probably would have been a top 10 or maybe even top five pitcher until he had Tommy John in April. So big blow. Reds are probably happy that they're going to get him at 18. Uh, might drop farther than that. Just kind of depends on who wants to take him, whether you'd rather have the hurt college guy in Connor Prelip or the hurt, um, or the hurt high school guy. But uh, again, great value for the Reds that they can get it there at 18. And they can kind of add him into that stable of young arms that they're developing, like a Nick Lodolo, those really interesting kind of guys. I want to get to this back to the back half of this draft and kind of touch on some of this. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Uh, there's so many makes and models of cars that it's virtually impossible to walk into your local chain auto parts store and get what you need. I was visiting a friend this weekend. They have a Honda SUV, and they needed—I think they needed 
like a replacement for the, the for the side mirror. Like the side mirror was taken off by a car they parked on the street, and it was taken off by a car or by motorcycle, bicycle, something. So he went to like three different stores, and all of them were like, they asked him all the questions. All right, what deer making model, and then what trim level, and the color, and all of that. And then they didn't have the part. None of them did. They all wanted to order it. So he got a bunch of quotes from people. He was like, I'll just call you back when I'm ready to order it. No problem. He got a bunch of quotes from everybody. And then he went on to rockauto.com, put the info in, boom, popped up right there. Here's the part. On average, about 40-something percent cheaper than those chain auto parts stores had it. So, and that's because Rock Auto is a family business serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for every single customer. No, No loyalty card needed. No barcodes get a scan. You don't have to give them a phone number to put you into a loyalty program. You just get it. Uh, you, can use the, you can use the website. Simple to use. You put in the year, make, and model of the car. It pops up. If it needs any other information, it tells you exactly what it needs, where it is on the car to find it. I've told the story before about having to get the paint matched for my wife's car. Really easy. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, so more of this mock draft from Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. And again, I'll, let, I'll have this link in the show notes on both uh, YouTube and your podcast app, so you can go check it out. Uh, number 19 for the A's, he's got Blade Tidwell, the righty from Tennessee. And Blade Tidwell's a guy that uh, missed the first half of the college season. He had shoulder soreness. They eased him in kind of slowly. He pitched out of the bullpen. He's now starting a little bit. Still hasn't gone past five innings. Um, but something where when he's been healthy, he's been a really good college pitcher. And so one of the better upsides of the guys in the draft. Number 20 for the Braves. First time you get a healthy college pitcher, Gabriel Hughes, the righty out of Gonzaga. Uh, Braves have been linked to a lot of college pitchers, and that's something where they're in the middle of that contention window right now. They've got um, Swanson's on the final year of his deal, but they, they just signed Mike Olsen to a big deal. They've got Albies and Acuna locked up. Uh, Austin Riley's, I think, just going to arbitration. Freed's just going to arbitration. Morton's extended. Travis Darno's extended. They have a bunch of guys right now. The core is there. And so, and then you're getting ready in the next uh, probably a year or two to call up some outfield prospects and a Michael Harris, maybe a Drew Waters. And so it's at the point where you need guys who can contribute sooner rather than later. You've already seen them call up Spencer Strider. You've seen, you know, you've seen them bringing some of these guys up. That's who Gabriel Hughes is, another college guy who has a shallow learning curve to get to MLB. So getting everybody can call them up quickly. They've also looked at Justin Campbell from Oklahoma State, Thomas Harrington from Campbell. Callis has some good notes there on that. Uh, Mariners 21, Cole Young, the shortstop out of Pennsylvania, out of um the prep shortstop out of Pennsylvania. Uh they great note in there from Callis. They went three straight years with a with a college right in the right in, in the first round, took a middle infielder out of high school last year. Callis thinks they're gonna do it again. Uh Jet Williams, shortstop out of uh, high school in Texas at 22 to the Cardinals. And this was really interesting because the Cardinals like those prep bats with the really interesting profiles. And Jet Williams is that. And the kid's 5'8". Um, tons of speed. Good contact ability. And so he's a guy where he fits kind of the MO of what the Cardinals like to do. That's a really interesting pick there. A 23 
outfielder Justin Crawford out of high school in Las Vegas to the Blue Jays. Uh, and it's something where he's gained a lot on the draft boards. He's had a really loud, um, he's had a really loud kind of spring, uh, spring season. And the Blue Jays like college pitching, but like Crawford has the bloodlines. I mean, his dad is Carl Crawford, the former big leaguer. So, I mean, his dad was an all-star. So he kind of, he, he has the athleticism. He has the coaching, the background to, to be really successful. So if the Blue Jays are going to go outside of their type, outside of the college pitching type for that number one, or for that first round pick, a guy like Justin Crawford makes a ton of sense. Jordan Beck, the outfitter for Tennessee, to 24th the Reds, uh, to the Red Sox. They actually drafted him in the 14th round of the high school three years ago. Um, been playing center field for them. He's been playing a pretty decent center field. Been swinging the ball pretty well, uh, swinging the bat pretty well. So I can see I can see this happening. I believe this would be the second Tennessee outfielder taken in the first round, which is wild to me. Uh, Sterling Thompson, the outfielder out of Florida at 25. Uh, kind of wild that this is the first uh, Florida outfielder versus Judd Fabian. Uh, you'd heard so much about Fabian going, being a first round pick before the season started. And then for somebody else to go above him, it's just amazing. But Thompson's done some good stuff uh, with that lefty swing in Gainesville this year. Uh, this is the middle of that kind of run on college hitters. And I think that this is one of those, you'd be taking college pitchers if they were here. We just don't have them. So many of them have gotten hurt or have underperformed, or are not draft eligible, that, like, guess why you're seeing so many college hitters right here? There's just no uh, college pitchers unless you want somebody that's hurt. You want to rehab them. So, Dylan Beavers from California, the outfielder at 26, to the White Sox. Um, Andrew Dutkanich, the righty, for the uh, to the Brewers at 27, out of high school. Um, it was something where, and Callis thinks that they might do something where they might take a, a college hitter, they somebody may try to push him down uh, inside into whatever slot deal in the second round, but we'll see what happens. Judd Fabian, the Florida outfitter I mentioned earlier, goes at 28 to the Astros. And this is something where he was a second rounder last year, was offered more than two million bucks by the Red Sox, turned it down to come back. If he gets into the first round, then that's then his his gamble paid off. He's gonna make more than two. I believe he has a super senior year, so he can go back to Florida if he wants to, although if he does, that means next year's deal, he has no leverage on next year's deal. So I'm pretty sure he'll sign this year. Um, but probably going to make him more than the $2 million he turned down from the Red Sox last year. Uh, Cooper Herpe, friend of the show. We, uh, we always love talking about Cooper Herpe here, the lefty out of Oregon State, goes 29 to the Rays. And that's really interesting to me because the Rays love those high-spin pitching prospects with like, you know, that they can put them in the lab and they can tinker with them and do stuff. And so I'm really curious about what they're going to do with him. And part of it is Cooper Herpe has like really good deception. So I think he's one of the better pitchers in this class uh, just based off a pinch of uh, pitch ability, but he doesn't get considered that because he doesn't have the especially loud tools. But um, I mean, he can run the fastball up to 95 at his max. He can probably put a little bit on that in a good development program, and the Rays are a good development program. Um, but I, I genuinely do think he's going to be the best pitcher in this entire class when it's all said and done. Like, that's just my, he's going to be the best college pitcher of this class. That's my personal belief, having watched him uh, pitch a few times and just being impressed with what he can do on the mound. So if the Rays get him at 29, I think that's going to end up, we're going to look back at that and think that was a freaking steal. Uh, and then 
the 30th pick is the lefty Jackson Ferris out of IMG Academy going to the Giants. They haven't picked in the back half of the first round since 2017. Um, There's some interesting notes here on some guys who would be candidates to move up, possibly. Um, You've got some some of the college arms. You might have a guy like a Jonathan Cannon out of Georgia, a Drew Thorpe out of Cal Poly, Carson Wisenhunt, the lefty out of East Carolina, who's been uh, suspended for steroid use. Uh, One of the guys that we've talked about a lot on College Baseball Tuesdays, Parker Messick with Florida State. He's a guy um, that could potentially move up there. And then you have a bunch of of injured college pitchers that we got to figure out where they're going to fall in this draft. You've got a Peyton Paulette out of Arkansas, Landon Sims out of Mississippi State, Kumar Rocker, you know, um, famously not signed by the Mets last year. He's now an indie ball. He has a rule dedicated to him now about if you are, I believe if you are a combine player and you submit medicals, MLB teams have access to these before the draft. If they sign you, or sorry, if they draft you, they are required to offer you a contract of at least 75% of slot value. And if they do not, and I believe if they do not by like mid-August, then you, you're done. You can go back to college. You can uh, go to indie ball. You can sign with somebody else. But the whole thing is because Kumar Rocker, the deadline was so late that they, he couldn't go back to Vandy, I don't think. And so Kumar Rocker rule is now in effect. So I wonder what a lot of these guys will, will do. Great show this, uh, great shows this week. Great week planned out of stuff. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, do us a favor, like and subscribe. It really does help the show a ton. Got prospect interviews coming up. We're visiting with our friends at Locked on Angels, another Farm Friday. It's going to be great. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Podcast.